0: You're listening to Finding Your Genius Zone with Dirk Novell. With the help of successful individuals across industries, Dirk breaks down the unknown parts of every vocation while highlighting the importance of finding a career where you can leverage your natural skills, passions, and interests. Now, here's your host, Dirk Novell.
1: Hi, this is Dirk Novell. I um, have on with me today a friend of mine, Boris Desansik. Boris is uh, someone I got to know a couple years ago, and I've been really impressed with him. We've spoken uh, many times. He's in the financial services industry. And, you know, every once in a while you come across somebody later in life that um, you're really impressed with. I've worked with him and I just like his style. I like his background. I think he's a great person for this podcast to really educate people on what the financial services world is all about. And instead of me trying to uh, explain and articulate what he does. I'm going to let Boris do it in his own words. So welcome to the show, Boris. Yeah.
0: Thanks. Good to have have you here, Dirk. Let's go. Thank you.
1: Thank you. So tell the audience, I mean, you know, on a top level down, like general, like what it is you do uh, a little bit about your business, your company. I know that you're, you're an owner of your own company. You've been at it. I think 30 years, I think for the first 20 years you were in it, but more training and, and I think in the last 10 years you started your own um, uh, company. So tell us a little bit more if you don't mind.
0: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a financial advisor by trade. Uh, I've been at it now 30 years. This is my 30th year in the business. Uh, for the first uh, probably 20 plus years, uh, I was a head of a major financial firm that was a publicly traded firm. Um, and my role was not only to build the office and to you know deal with the clients and obviously manage money and so forth and so on, but also to mentor new advisors, hire and bring them in a business, and then make sure that they succeed in a business. So I did it for a very long time, and then and then a few years back, <clears throat> uh, when I left that, I opened up uh, my own you know financial. It's a, it's a wealth management firm. It's called Ascent Wealth Strategies, uh, and we our specialty is really dealing with. Uh, small to medium sizes businesses, they're netting upwards of seven figures. Uh, and and so, so we do a lot of advanced business planning, advanced tax planning, uh, advanced money management, estate planning, asset protection, and so forth and so on for our clients, whether it's just us or through the partnership we have with other professionals that we bring into the table when we get hired by one of the successful business owners.
1: So you there's a lot of hats you wear, I should say there's a lot of skill sets you have. Were those things you've just learned over the years that and then you decided to kind of create one entity to offer all of those services? Yeah,
0: obviously it wasn't like that, you know, 30 years ago. I mean, 30 years ago when I just got out of business straight out of college, right? It was all about, I mean, it was it was a different time as well, right? But you know, we were selling mutual funds and life insurance to our clients, right? And then over 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 the years, you know, as the financial industry got more sophisticated and there were more products brought to the table, you did more and more. Uh, and then ultimately, you know, throughout all these years, you, know, you learn things that you really there's no way other way to learn. You can't learn it in school. You can't learn it for some designations. Uh, and ultimately, when you put it all together. Then you sort of carve out your own niche uh, that that kind of separates you from everybody else, you know? And then niche involves not only specialized products, but specialized relationship with other partners and also very advanced sort of specialized knowledge that you've gained and wisdom that you gain over time. So that's, that's how it typically goes.
1: So that's kind of interesting. I think it's great because I'm thinking about the audience that's listening. And, you know, sometimes if you're interested, say in finances or financial services, there are different options. There's different specialties that you can kind of gravitate towards. And maybe at time, it just takes time to learn what you like. Sounds like that was your path a little bit.
0: No, there wasn't. And it's interesting you mentioned that, you know, because you, you're right. You know, if you, if you, I guess, for, for this, these purposes, because we're we're speaking to people who are looking to different careers, right? Um, you know, when, when you look at the financial advising industry, right, there's sort of different pockets of sort of type of firms that you can start your career with, right? And maybe for this audience, if you want to, I can just kind of just explain the differences, right? You know, on on one end you have, for example, banks, right, you can start as a financial representative within a bank, right? What that means is that you represent banks products, some investment products as well, right? Uh, Typically, you're a salaried employee of the bank, right, then you get some bonuses based on your productivity within a bank right it's uh, it's actually typically very good start for people who do not have a really well thought out or really well a uh, well built out natural Market right I mean they're they're in the bank people come to them they deal with those clientele from the bank uh the downside is ultimately you know it's not an unlimited income right and ultimately when you leave the bank uh you can't take those clients with you right I mean they're their Bank's clients right but it, it's a it's a decent start right then you have what what I would call wirehouses, right, or very large wealth management investment firms, you know, such as Merrill Lynch, UPS, and Morgan Stanley, right? Those, those types of firms, right? I mean, th- these are the firms that uh, that can handle a lot of different aspects of financial planning and financial advising, but their real true focus is money management, right? And they do they do an excellent job of money management, right, uh, from really low end to high end, right? Uh, but you typically coming into these firms, right? Um, you get the name and you get a brand name recognition because of the firm you're with, right? But you do need to have your natural market established because nobody's giving you the clients there, right? And also in return for a name recognition and beautiful offices that they have, right? Typically that they have, you know, the payout to the advisor is typically less than if that advisor was independent. But from the perspective of learning how to manage money really well, uh, being with a very prominent you know firm in the name name wise, it's not a bad start if you want to focus. I would say if you want to focus on investment management as part of your career, right? Then sort of third, you have insurance financial firms, right? These are big life insurance companies, such as uh, examples are New York Life, you know, Mass Mutual, Northwest Mutual, right? Um, These firms can also do almost everything. They can do investments, they can do insurance, but that that focus for those advisors is really primarily to represent that firm's insurance products, right? Uh, And and they're needed, you know, life insurance, disability insurance, long-term care insurance, right? So typically, uh, advisors who start within these firms will be taught how to handle insurances for the clients, and then we'll add other Products along the way, such as mutual funds and ETFs and other other investment products, right? But the focus is really more toward the insurance type of sales to the clientele, right? And then you have um what I call some financial planning companies out there, which is I, I think I think these companies do a sort of a, a very good comprehensive financial planning. The advisors are taught to do to handle a financial plan, and that'd be sort of a startup um. Of any advice for any particular client, agnostic from whether it, whether it's insurance or investment products, right? You start developing a financial plan for a client, and then based on your advisor uh, advice, you actually go into pulling the products that that, uh, that that client needs. I think probably the major firm of that nature that people will recognize is probably Ameriprise, right? They operate sort of in that in that manner. And then I have the the, the last pocket I will mention is independent advisors, these are the advisors who are not tied to a major firm, whatever category we were in, you know, these are the advisors who usually the firms are either in their own names or they have their own name, they usually clear either through some independent broker dealer or what's called RIA, right, RIA stands for Registered Investment Advisors. Uh, They're in their own box, right? They don't report to any big firm, Uh, they have their own staff, their, their own firm. They're, they're most of them, they're agnostic as to what products they provide, and they can structure their advice to the clients or niche to the clients, however, they want to do that. Uh, I would say that, that the independent advisors ultimately are really, in my in my opinion, really true uh, financial planners, right? Uh, and their structure, their compensation is true financial planners. But on the on the other hand, I, I think, unless you find a firm that's willing to mentor you when you're beginning a career, uh, it's probably not for somebody who's just starting up in the market and saying, oh, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna jump and open up my own firm. Well, they don't even know what they don't know, right? So like I said, unless you have somebody who's willing to bring you under their wing and mentor you in that, in that aspect, uh, that aspect is probably not the right avenue to go when you're starting up this career. I
1: have. Sorry. I hear you. And sorry if I I say this wrong, but I remember um, in our time together, one of the magazines you were, I think, voted top 100 in finance. What what was that magazine?
0: Uh, It was just top 100 people in finance magazine.
1: So you obviously are very good at what you do. And I, I can see that just with our interactions. What is it about, I should say you, and I don't I hope you you don't feel uncomfortable talking about yourself. But what is it? How are you different? How do you differentiate yourself? Like, I know you have a niche um, and for the people that maybe don't have life experience in financial services, maybe you could just talk to them a little bit about how you do things and and how you are different than some of these other institutions, um, just in terms of how you help and offer value.
0: Well, I, I think it's a fair question. I, you know, and I'm not uncomfortably saying that I'm not sure how much of that's going to be held from the brand new career person, right? But I'll, I'll say a few words and then maybe I will, I can relate to how's that different from what I just started at, well was starting out 30, 30 years ago, right? I mean, uh, you know, we, we have a very specific niche, which is, you know, businesses, majority of our clients are businesses who are netting million plus, right? Anywhere between million to 10 million net profit on, on a yearly basis, right? And and they are, to be able to deal with these businesses, you know, the scope of knowledge and the wisdom, sort of that that one needs, is is pretty wide. You know, you got to be good at at some legal stuff, such as estate planning, for example, and asset protection. Then you got to be good at some tax stuff. You know, advanced revenue planning, advanced revenue tax planning, right? And and you move, move forward to some other things, such as partnership agreements, structures, operational structures of the firms, and then and then you get into all the all the uh, investment insurance products as well. So. So what separates me, I guess, and us is that I, I think that the wealth of knowledge that we I have accumulated over 30 years, that's very unique because I I know all of these different areas that are not just tied to our profession. And I'm tied through... Partnerships with with really good attorneys and CPAs and TPA's and cost segregation specialists and other people that I can pull in to help our clients, but that takes a long time to develop all that, right? And and so it's not something that somebody who is brand new in a business can ever even aspire to to get to. It just takes time, right? Now, yeah. how does it really differ from from originally when I was 21 years old, you know, straight out of college, right? Well, it's, it's a lot different, right? I mean, straight out of college. You know, uh, all I wanted to do was find a business that had unlimited income potential, and like that was really, really important for me at the time. I, you know, I was an exchange student. I, I came from a country who was in the middle of the Civil War. You know, I, I mean, I, I had nothing here, and so, so being tied to a job, you know, nine eight to five that makes thirty forty thousand dollars back, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't an option. I wanted to have unlimited income potential. Uh, and built something, right? That was that was my one option. The other option was uh, what I was looking for was uh, um, I understood the notion of uh, residual repetitive income, right? And that was also important because all the jobs back then, they were sort of commission-based, which this job is a commission-based, and it was commission-based back then. And um, most of the other jobs are commission-based, so you, you constantly have to continue selling, right? Whether it's real estate or mortgages, right? Like your background, like nothing with mortgages, right? So, so it doesn't matter how well you do one year, you still start from zero again and zero again, right? And ultimately, not only that you cannot build a residual income, but ultimately, if you ever decide to leave the business, you don't have an asset or a business that you can sell, right, to somebody else that would like to take that over so so when i was 21 those were two aspects i really understood and i really wanted to do was unlimited potential for income and then a potential to have residual income and create an asset ultimately if i wanted to i can actually sell that asset to somebody else does that make sense
1: yeah this is this is gold this is exactly like in a way why i started this podcast because and i'm a smart guy but when i got into the mortgage business you know i just i actually was going to psychology school because i thought i wanted to be with, uh, work with young kids and which was kind of crazy. Um, and I needed a job. I was starting a family and, and I knew a lot of folks and, and I think I was pretty likable and people trusted me and I didn't really want to travel. Um, so I fell into lending, but these things that you thought of at 21, that's really the dance in this podcast is I, I want people to think about beyond the job and beyond the career about what the job gives you and and i think those are two great examples uh, of your industry and and you are very smart to think like that i i just don't think a lot of people think like that coming out of school they get enamored with a vision of a career but they don't understand like you know my dad was a pilot and he was gone a lot and you know i am so thankful i don't travel i get to wake up with my kids i get to coach them I've never missed a birthday, never missed a holiday. I mean, that to me is really, really important. Um, I didn't know that at 24. I just kind of, so I kind of learned it in life, but like what you're talking about is great. Is there anything um, that surprised you? Like you've been at it for 30 years, very credible. Like, is there anything that maybe like even negative, like about the industry, like not bad, but you know, if you're giving advice to someone that's entering your career and you want to make sure that they're aware of this, this and that, or whatever, before they commit. Cause I know it's not easy. There's a lot of licensing and a lot of tests you have to take. Is there anything that maybe caught you off guard?
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> the answer to that is yes. You know, for all the positives that are there, you know, there's, there are items that are, they're hard, right? I mean, like any career and I would, I would equate it. If people truly want to get into this business they need to think of this whether they go with one of the big warehouses or insurance firms or banks and you know, ultimately they need to think of this as how do i build my own practice within this business right they they can't think of this as an employee of the firm right because it doesn't work um uh, what i what i found out initially at 21 was what i didn't expect was how hard it was for to prospect Right, and get clients in. And and this was partially because I, you know, I was brand new in Seattle area back then, you know, 30 years ago, and I didn't know anybody. So, you know, back then I went door to door. I mean, that's that's how I built my business. Now, I wouldn't suggest anybody do that nowadays. You know, nowadays that's I think that's impossible to do anymore, right? But I knew it was gonna be hard. How hard it was 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 truly a big surprise to me, really. I mean, there were many days where you know I would work 15 hour days. I'd get up and you know go and go door to door businesses during a day, and at night I'd pick a residential neighborhood and go door to door residential neighborhoods, right, and and hope that somebody buys an insurance from me or somebody wants to invest in a mutual fund, right, that kind of stuff, right. So, so I, what I would say to people is that the perks of this business are absolutely incredible, uh, truly unlimited income potential, and well into in seven figures, right. The uh, the ownership of your of your business, your clients is incredible. The relationship you build with the clientele, um, well, is 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 truly special because a lot of these clients become really your friends. You know, you know their families, you know their kids. You know, I mean, multi generational planning. I mean, especially you get right? uh right balance. You know, at one point when you become successful in this, you have all the balance in the world. And nowadays, with teleconference, you can do this business anywhere in the world. You can travel and still meet with your clients, right? So, those are the pluses. They're unbelievable. I, th- I think one of the best careers out there, right? The downsides are that, listen, I mean, if you're going to do this, you got to get ready for some really serious prospecting. Whether you're going to call people that you know, whether you're going to get on the phone, do call calling, whether you, however, you're going to bring your clients in, right? It's hard. And it takes, you know, there's a, that you know, in this business, when people join this business, I'll tell you majority of business in, in this like any other small business, people in the first three years, majority of them fail. Those other ones that persevere those first three, four years, ultimately build their networks, build their referral bases, build their clients, and then this business becomes a smooth sailing and sort of sort of fulfilled prophecy, right in a way. But people need to know that the first three to four years are unbelievably hard, not only emotionally, because you hear a lot of no's, right? But also the amount of volume and the volume of knowledge that you need to gain. And how many times you gotta get out of your comfort zone in order for you to get a client or be said no or approach somebody to actually talk to them about their finances. That is really, really hard. In addition to that, what really surprised me over years was and, and this was a little distinction how when we started was, I gotta tell you legal and compliance was not that prevalent back when we started, right? So I'll, I'll tell you a prime example, when we were doing a mutual fund, you know, sort of somebody wants to buy a mutual fund back then, it was literally one page and you tear out the bottom page, right? With some information, you turn that in, right? Well, nowadays to buy a mutual fund and fill out any investment application for a client, you know, it's depending on which firm you're in, but it can be upwards of 20 pages, right? All kinds of disclosures in the back, right? So so I think that this business has become over years really compliance heavy and really legally sort of protection-wise heavy, whether it's for, for the clients or for the advisors. But that adds an additional complexity to the business because you always have to make sure that you're saying the right things that you are not giving a wrong advice, that you're covering your bases uh, because you don't want you or your firm to be open to any kind of lawsuits, right? And I think that adds the whole aspect to the business that obviously I never even thought of when I just started in the business. I, I never thought it was going to get there, right? And today it's just part of it, right? So you get used to it. But that becomes a really big part, not only advice that you're giving, but making sure that all your T's and I's are crossed, from the compliance perspective.
1: That makes sense? Uh, Total sense. And I think Mm. it's really good for the audience that's listening right now is, you might be enamored with numbers and finances and love to read about the market, but you're always selling yourself. I mean, Boris is very good at what he does, but there's a lot of options out there, right? There's a lot of very credible people you can turn to. And I think two things that I think you need to pay attention to is the fact that you need to sell yourself and you need to uh, be somebody that people trust and they you know, wanna invest their money with. And then the knowledge, I mean, it's y- this isn't something that you, you can just stop learning. You go away for a month on a long vacation. I mean, you have to be deep and you have to be in the know uh, with what's going on in the market. So I, I don't, it's not an easy, I mean, there's a lot of fruits of labor. You said it's a very rewarding industry, but it's not an easy one if you wanna be one of the better Producers, I think.
0: Yeah, and I and I think you 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 actually you nailed it um, right right there. I mean, it's uh, um, I think it's important for people to know that ultimately it doesn't matter which firm you win with or which products you're representing. Those are not truly the products or the firm. The product is you. It's your name. It's your reputation. People are working with you because they like you. They trust you. They believe in your knowledge, right? They believe that you're going to do the best for them. So on a, on a positive side, it's 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 very rewarding because when people trust you, and especially when they trust you with their money and the advice that you're going to give them, it's really rewarding, right? On the downside of that is that your reputation is on the line. And, and when you also, on another side, when you hear a no, it's a lot personal because a lot of times they're saying no to you. Right, not to a specific product out there. Right, so so people have to be ready that they are in a business of promoting themselves and building their reputation and their mantle in this business. So that's 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 a key component of of this this career.
1: Yeah, that's really good too. Because like I'm just not that this podcast is about me, but in my line of work, it's not always about me. It's about my rate and my fee. I mean, for some people, it is. But, you know, the mortgage industry is super crowded and that's one of my issues with it is sometimes I feel like all the skill sets or value that I have isn't necessarily needed in the mortgage industry because the criteria, but in your world, I mean, it's, a, it's like it's beyond dating. It's like choosing someone to get married to. It's like you want to be very selective, and and the criteria for me choosing my financial planner is going to be much more significant than who I'm going to do my mortgage with, in my opinion. Sure. So sure. I think yeah, that's really awesome. yeah. Good I, stuff.
0: I, you. I was gonna. Uh, I, I think you're totally correct on that. Right? Yeah. Uh, I will. I will say this to people who are trying to enter this business: is that we already talked that perks are great. It's also. It, it's not an easy thing, but. The easiest, I, I will say two two things to, to look for if you ultimately want to enter this this career. One is it really helps if you have a really big natural market, which means all the people in your sphere of influence, whether they're your friends, whether they're their parents, whether they're businesses, are right, businesses, and other people that they know, you know, can you see yourself entering and approaching the natural market that should be significant to talk to them about really what you are doing and how you can help clientele. That's number one. But the number two that really, really helps if you are able to enter this business and tie yourself to a mentor. That will not only speed up your knowledge base, but it also will give you some immediate credibility with all the people you are approaching. Cause you, you can, you know, you're not then anymore, a 24, 23, whatever, 28 year old, you know, trying to talk to somebody's parents about the retirement plan, let's say, right? If you're entering that, that area or a business owner about their stuff. If you have a mentor now, it's you and your partner, right? Who might be in their 40s and 50s already successful. There's a totally different feel in the meetings. And you not only get to hear them do the meeting, but your presence actually gets moved up as well. And it's a lot easier to approach and learn and build your practice that way. But those are two key components that people who are thinking about this want to make their career a lot easier in the first three years than from, you know, what a lot of us have gone through.
1: Yeah. I mean, very spot on, Boris. I mean, if, let's just say I had a ton of money, I would be very, to be blunt, I'd be very reluctant to entrust some 26-year-old, right? Uh, I want a little life experience. And so I would, you know, much probably much more prone to go to somebody like you that has been around seen it done that uh the good and the bad so if you're looking so if somebody's interested in and and they're like listening and like yeah that makes a lot of sense if you are looking at people bringing on to your company or whatever i mean we look at the basic skill sets: somebody who can communicate someone who's honest and trustworthy and it's got good energy but Would you say the number one factor is just somebody that has a network of of people that they can actually talk to?
0: Yeah. uh, Yes. One of the one of the top, if not the top, one of the top ones. I mean, it's uh, the people need to have a network—hundred, two hundred, maybe even three hundred people, right—that they can approach. And if not only from perspective of these people working with them, but somebody who can then introduce them to another two, three, four other people that they can approach. And so all of a sudden. You've gone through this exercise of constantly meeting new people, trying to, you know, get hired, right? I think that's one. I think the other one is that people in this business have to be personable. They have to like to talk to other people. And even more, they they have to want to really, truly help other people. I, I don't, it, it, if a person is getting into this business just because ultimately they're going to make a lot of money, this is what's going to happen. You might get there. But four or five years ago, down the road, those clients are going to start leaving you because they will feel that you don't care, anymore. because you're all just looking for a next dollar. You know, a next big client that's going to come in, right? And that cannot happen in this business, right? We get so personally involved with people's finances, right, that that you have to truly care about these individuals and their families. So, outside of having a large network, being personable. And really, truly wanting to connect and help people is really, really important. I would say those those, those characteristics. And then if you add another layer, you have to want to be an entrepreneur in this business. Like I said earlier, you can't just come in and act like you're an employee of another firm. You're an entrepreneur, which means promotions, marketing, constantly networking, constantly talking to other people. product is you. So how are you going to develop the business around you? And what you, you know and how you want to go. So you have to have the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial bone as part of you. So if you're asking me, for example, what I would look for, somebody coming into the business is yes, big networks, right, Large network, right? Ability to connect and and desire to connect with people, really wanting to help people, and then do they have the business or entrepreneurial bone and then to understand what it means. When with, without somebody telling you what they need to do for them to go out and build their own business, do they have those characteristics? Those are, those are, I think probably four ones.
1: I love it. You know, the word that I'm, I, it stuck to me is desire and like, that's the podcast, so it's called zone of genius, you know, and we really what that is. are and, and when I thought of you, Boris, like you're in your zone, I can tell you really good at what you do, but what's important is you really it, you're so there's a zone of excellence where you're excellent what you do but there's a zone of genius where it's it's like the desire is there it's like you know it's hard to run a race you don't want to win it gets exhausting and eventually you get tired and you burn out but you know boris is an example like a lot of my guests is someone who's naturally in his zone of genius because not only is he excellent at what he does but he really cares and it's like, it's in his DNA. And I think that's really important. And I think a young, a young adults don't think like that. So my advice, and I'd be curious, you know, what your advice might be as well, is to really pay attention to what lights your fire. and what, what, you know, like for me, a lot of times I, 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 when I come back to my family, it's like, when am I a better version of myself? What have I been doing that makes me a better version of myself? And you know, I try to translate that into a career. But for what would your advice be to to say somebody that's going through school that's struggling, um, and they're like they hear this, but they're trying to figure out what their natural interests and skills are? Like, how do how do you I, help identify those at a young age when you don't have a lot of life experience? Well, that's
0: an interesting that's an interesting question, right? And and it's interesting you're asking that because I had to tell you that. I think the highest turnover in this entire business is people who are straight out of college. Because they they still don't know what they don't know, right? Uh typically people who are attracted to this business are people who, you know, young people always say, you know, I want to make a lot of money. Great. You know, I wanna, I love people, I wanna co- connect with people, great as well, right? Uh I wanna help people, also great, right? What I don't think they realize is that all of these have to be. Equally important inside of them, it can't be just somebody who comes in and says, "I'll give you an example." Somebody says, "Well, I want to help people." Well, if that's the only characteristic that purpose, purpose person has, they don't understand truly what it means to build a business. They're out there, you know, giving advice to everybody out there, and they want to help everybody, but ultimately they'll fail because they won't become profitable, right? Um, so. How do you judge that in somebody who is still in their nine? You know, they're still twenty-year-olds. I don't think anybody in this business has successfully been able to actually define that, which is why it's such a big turnover rate. You're trying to look for those four characteristics that I just you know mentioned previously, but you're ultimately hoping that people truly, uh, when they get into this business, that those are the characteristics that will push them through those first three years. And, and the difficult part is that I think a lot of people, young people don't are not built out yet. They don't even know themselves. They think this is what they want and they think this is what, who they are, but they really truly won't know until probably late twenties, early thirties. Right. So I I think the question is good. I think the answer is sort of impossible.
1: Yeah. Right. That's, that's spot on. I mean, that's the dance. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but, that's the thing is like, I'm trying to expedite at least just like, consider look in the mirror and like lower the bar a little bit. Consider, just think about the things that light your fire and that you're good at. And I get, you need life sometimes to figure it out. But I think there's a happy medium there. I think there's a way for people to be a little more, um, I don't wanna say selective, but smarter about choosing their life work. Because a lot of times you're right you get guys that or gals that want to make money and then they think they want to move to New York and live on wall street. And I don't know, I don't know what the answer is, but I would love to see a shift in the way people like a slowdown of how they think about their days. And this is the podcast, like, and some of the questions I have for you is behind the scenes, what's the life about the lifestyle? Like, I mean, we know kind of what you do on the front, but like talk to us a little bit about your day and like, you know, I know you do a lot of Zoom calls with clients and prospects. I mean, if you had a piece of pie, would you say 80%, 70% of your time is prospecting, uh or researching? I mean, how would you carve out your day or carve yeah, out your and week?
0: And it's a good it's a good question. Now the question has two really answers. They're they're really what the day was when I started this business is totally different than what the day is today, 30 years later, right? Um, I'll start with 30 days later, right? I mean, now I'm ahead of a firm. I run a firm. I have, you know, I mean, we have employees, right? We we have other other obligations. Also, majority of these clients, I hardly ever re prospect anymore, right? I mean, the reputation is there, the referrals coming from our clients or our partners, right? Other people bring business to us, right? So the the prospecting is really not that big of a um area anymore. The clients come in, actually, the clients come in to a point where a lot of times we we can't help everybody that's coming in, right. So so really, it's majority of my days really spent dealing with current clients, new clients, new clients, current clients, right. And then also just running the business, right, the operations of the business, right, making some decisions as to where we're going to go next, you know, uh, training employees, and so forth and so on, right. I mean, that's that's really what it is. I would say that there's a lot of flexibility built in uh, in my, you know, 30 years later, right? I, I can take off, you know, weeks at a time and especially resume and teleconferences still be available. That wasn't the case before, right? So um, so you have time at this point in my career, not only to do what you love, which is my business, but but also other things that are interesting as well. That wasn't the case when we got into business. I'll say that probably 80% of everything, uh, the 80 to 90 percent is all about prospecting. You're constantly networking. You're either on a phone calling, uh, you're networking, right? Or you're approaching people, you know, whatever. I guess that's networking, you know, in you know communities, right? Uh, so 80% of everything you do is, is truly prospecting for the new business. Probably 20% is dealing with those plant lines and the business. And now that slowly starts changing as your reputation grows and the referral business starts coming in. And that typically takes a few years, but initially first year majority of everything people do is prospecting. uh, However you define the prospecting.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. The other thing I wanted to ask you that is interesting that I didn't think about when I was younger is okay. So there's B2B and there's B2C uh, Mm -hmm. business to business, business to consumer. So I'm in a B2C world. I do work with referral partners like Boris, people that are in a, position of influence that are looking for partners that they can refer out that are good at what they do. Uh, So I work with people like that, CPAs, et cetera, but like, and then I also target anyone I know, friends and family, people I grew up with, you know, whatever, anyone who needs financing for real estate, you are, your target is kind of, you're targeting these businesses So it's not really like anybody you bump into at a bar or a restaurant or on vacation is gonna be a client. You have kind of a niche target, a business, right? You know, a million plus whatever in net revenue. So I'm I'm not telling you something you don't know. This is really for the audience is a lot of times you also have to think about who you're selling to. And so if you're someone that lives in New York that moves to Seattle, like I live here, you know, just east of Seattle, and I don't know anybody. Let's say I just moved here. I'm gonna have a hard time in a B2C world where I'm trying to sell the consumers because I don't know anybody. So it's I guess, you know, if you have any thoughts on the whole B2B, B2C, because I think you need to understand who you're selling to. And do you have a natural uh advantage or a connection with these people, or do you not?
0: Yeah, and I and I think that comes from you know the point of, that that we made in, you know, one of the initial points was that you need to have a large network. I think how are you gonna market yourself and who ultimately will become your clients will depend largely on the network that you have. So for example, uh, if I were, you know, when I was hiring people and mentoring them for those 20 years of bringing the business, one of the things that I would ask them to do is, you know, go home and, and put together a list of everybody you know. Don't worry about whether you think they're gonna work with you, but everybody, you know, put put together hundred, 150 names, however people you know, right? And then they would come in and then we would try to segment that. Right. So here's how many people know. Our first your segment is consumers and businesses, right? And then the second segment is the age groups. The third one you might want to add families, right? So ultimately it come, might come out that out 100 people, I'm just throwing an example. Out of 100 people, somebody knows, right? Well, maybe ultimately majority of these people are in their 30s, right? Maybe in their 30s with families, right? Well, initially that's really going to become your market, right? You know, while you're learning how to approach other markets. Or maybe initially, maybe you're a former business owner who used to deal with other businesses and now you're in your 30s or 40s getting into this business and you know a ton of business owners. Well, that's probably who your initial market is. So that what you said B2C or B2B is initially largely mm-hmm. driven by your network, right? Now, as you move along in your career, you can make some choices. You can ultimately say, you know what? I really like working with people in their 50s and 60s. I like working with consumers, let's say, but I like working with people in their 50s and 60s. I like planning for their retirement, their legacy planning and so forth and so on. Right? I like managing money for them. And then you're going to try to gravitate into that market, which will take some time. Or you might decide to do something like what, what, what I do, which is I love working with business successful business owners. And then how do you get there? But that will take multiple years to access and enter these new markets right initially it's truly driven by your networks
1: and who do you know within your networks i love it um a lot of really great information boris uh we're kind of winding down and i before i uh, before we end this is there anything that i haven't asked you know or that's anything on the tip of your tongue that you think you might want to leave with the audience that would be valuable
0: i i i guess if i But I want to leave the obvious something that I I think sort of we already mentioned, sort of the summary of a few things that I think we, we already mentioned. People who want to get into financial advising, right? This is not a business for people who want to be analytical and want to get into this because they love numbers. That's not what this is. This is a sales profession that's really driven by networking, marketing, prospecting initially, right? It's also a profession that allows you to be really closely connected with your clients, develop trust, give advice to people you you love in your life, right? And ultimately become very, very successful, uh, whether from the perspective of number of clients or residual income that you're making in this business or, or, or even your reputation, right? But you have to, people who are getting to this business have to understand that despite all the rewards, they have to know that, it's really about selling yourself and being entrepreneurial in a way you want to do that. If you understand that and you are ready to prospect like crazy in the first couple of years of this business, then I would say you have a chance of success a few years down the road. If, however, you're afraid of talking to people, you're afraid of prospecting, you just love numbers and analytics, this is not the profession for you. Okay. So that's, I would, I would, so that's the first thing I think there's got to be some internal introspection as to who these individuals, you know, getting out of college are and who they ultimately want to be and how they want to go about doing that. Right. I think that they have to think through these items that we mentioned before they embark on this.
1: And, and this is exactly why I do this, because if you're watching this and you thought you wanted to get into this world and now you're kind of run the other way. I mean, that's, that's good too, right? This is to help people make better decisions about sure. choosing their life work. And we didn't really get into all the licenses and so forth, but I mean, they're not easy. Some of these tests are very difficult to take. I know back in the day, uh, some call co- companies, if you failed, you're out like, and the pressure was high. So, I mean, it's not in the, the barriers to entry aren't easy. I think even though, you know, anybody can start prospecting, but you have to, to, to get licensed license and so forth. So my hope is that you're either like running away, which is good, or you're very interested. Um, one of my questions I always ask, let's just say Boris, you couldn't be in financial services. Let's just, and I ask this because I think it's always kind of interesting for the audience to get to know you in a different light. Is there a career or a dream job? Like if you could do anything and I know sometimes the safe answer is i'm doing my dream job but let's just say this was off the table is there any i mean you and i have never talked like this is there another type of job or career that you could see yourself doing
0: oh man i you know you know it's one of those questions if you had had to have multiple lives right what would you ultimately like to do i mean each life would be different right and and i will say i will say this i from the purely business perspective I would probably get into buying and selling houses, you know, becoming a real estate developer. You know, that's that sort of. I would still be, no matter what, I would still be my own boss, right? I I don't think I could ever work for truly somebody else eight to five. But what, um, you know, once you get, if you're able to get some funding initially, or later on when you become successful in life, you know, once you get into the real estate market and stuff like that, it it just becomes really fun to put the deals together and. Like I say, going into real estate development and so, so forth and so on, right? That would be like, for example, from the business perspective, one profession, right? If I was going to go, uh, think about more, you know, altruistically, or just even even move further away from that, you know, I this is this my scale. So, so, uh, funny, but I was wanting to see what special forces would be like. right? <laughs> I mean, it's a, I it's really strange, but. You know, I don't mind pain. I I like I'm committed to what I do. And I, you know, we all see movies on, you know, Navy SEALs or Rangers or all these guys. And I and I know some of them are really good friends of mine now, years later. And and that lifestyle always was interesting to me from, from that perspective, you know. But that that lifestyle also means that you're not building a business, you're not building a sort of wealth like that. You're doing that for other reasons, right? Some of them are, you know represent the country you're at and, and sort of hopefully do good in the world, but the other one is challenging yourself in ways that you never thought was humanly possible, right? Like that, yeah. that would be interesting, right?
1: So I'm not so, surprised. You know, say I could again. Say, I'm not surprised, like just getting to know you, like I could see you doing something like that.
0: Well, you know it's not going to happen in this this lifetime. I'm way too old for that. But, but you know, it's you asked me a really interesting question and that's 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 what it is. Right.
1: So, yeah, you know, it was a few uh, six months ago, we I'm part of the coaching group and some of the best people in my industry across the country. And and it's great because these 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 people are on a different level and we always have a speaker. And we had um, one of our times we're in Costa Rica is a gentleman named Chad Wright. And he's an ultra marathon runner and he's an ex Navy seal. He's got this long red beard Mm -hmm. and, uh, he spoke and it was really interesting. And I've always had tremendous respect for special forces, because it's a different breed. And I've always thought I was tough. I was a great athlete, but there's a mindset there that I don't know if I could hang. And I've always been curious. Um, But like, you know, I have a podcast guest coming on here in a couple of weeks. He's a HVAC, but he's an ex Navy SEAL. And we talk a little bit about his background and I've always been super impressed with the commitment that uh, these men and women have. Um, So anyways, I appreciate Uh, that.
0: And I can see that as well as 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 we do as well. I mean, it wouldn't be interesting to find out what you truly are made of when when you put into that kind of world. Right. What kind of commitment focus determination it takes for you to actually, I mean, what, what kind of challenge, right? Yeah. I mean, that, that would be from a totally different perspective than building a business and making a lot of money, right? You know, in a, in a first, whatever, 15 years of your life out, out of, out of college, right? Uh, it is just something that, well, you and I will never know, but, but it would be a totally interesting ex, you know, exercise or whatever commitment to go through.
1: Anyway. Uh, I know you're a swimmer, so I think you could hang on the swimming stuff. When they throw you in the ocean. Yeah, I just don't want to put a 100,
0: 100, 100 pound pack on me and, and have me run 30 miles, right? I mean, that's a uh, well, back then
1: maybe, right? So who knows? Our buddy Pat Sprague maybe could, could do pretty well that's in that role. I don't know
0: if your, people, your audience will know, but uh, we're really close friends with uh, a guy named Pat Sprague, who's a wonderful human being, but he's also uh, a master's CrossFit athlete, ranked you know top 10 in the world. Right, and just the commitment. Well, you've seen Pat train, right? Just for those CrossFit, you know, the CrossFit Games, right? For Masters, it's it's incredible.
1: And I think uh, his perfect. son James is number one or two in the world.
0: I don't uh, know, if he's number one, but he's in the top now. I, I you know, I, I think he's James is now what about twenty years old, and yeah. and uh, and he's really bulking him up, you know, and and getting through those progressions, right? But I, I think as a junior, he was really up there. I think now he's entering that that normal circuit, right? I. You know, I think he stopped probably ten or twenty, but I, you know, like I, I think we'll see, we'll see James at the games this year. And Richard, yeah,
1: incredible. it's some impressive DNA in that family. I knew uh, I knew Pat just from I, I went to high school with his brother, and I remember seeing posts that he had, and I didn't really understand CrossFit, and then he just elevated and took mm-hmm. off. But anyway, um, Boris, you're a really great guy. I want to thank you. You've been a great partner to me over the years. And I've I've really enjoyed getting to know you. And I think this is really like, I was interested and very excited to interview you. And there's a lot of stuff you shared that I I didn't know. And I I know it's going to be valuable to the audience. So I appreciate you taking the time. Same goes here.
0: I I hope we were able to give good information and help some people and, and, uh, you know, you continue doing what you're doing. I think that what, what you started with this podcast is needed. And and I think hopefully it'll provide the enough guidance for people who are looking to different careers, not just this one, but I know you're gonna to talk to multiple different people from multiple careers. And and I think that that you know that didn't exist when you and I were starting out. I mean, we had no idea. You just kind of go. I mean, this nowadays with these podcasts, I, I think you can really bring some light to what careers are really all about, right? So so, I good so. you and I, I I think it's great when you are doing. It.
1: Yeah, I'm naturally interested. So it's kind of like a passion project. My wife keeps saying, Hey, go talk to these college kids and ask them what they want to know. And I see value in that, but I also, they kind of don't know what they don't know. So mm-hmm. it's like, I don't, you know, I think there's a happy medium there. I think they're, I think that would be good, but I also know that I don't think they're thinking about careers in terms of aligning it with, uh, their skills and passions and their interests. I think they're thinking about paying off school debt, or what their mom or their dad thinks they should do or what looks good on social media. I don't think they're like looking in the mirror and just saying, hey, what would Dirk be naturally good at? And what would I enjoy on a Monday morning? What would I be excited to do getting up in the morning? Because it's a very long, exhausting life when you don't like what you do. And right. that's what I'm trying to fix. Yeah. So
0: I, I think it's excellent. And I hope you get 50 different professionals and group them You know, and people can listen to what multiple different things and add you know multiple different views on different professionals.
1: I, I think it's really helpful. So thanks yeah, man. Cool. Um well, we'll be in touch. Um thanks so much. Yeah absolutely bye. All right. Bye.